Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this week we watched Overboard, which came out in 1987. It stars Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. And it was directed by Gary Marshall. So, you know, some pretty good, like... Rom-com gold. Yep. Exactly. It has the, it has the kid from Big that isn't young Tom Hanks. Yes, exactly. Um, and the kid from Home Alone that gets miscounted as Kevin. Yeah, who was like the real star of this movie. Let's just be honest. He talks like this. <laughs> <laughs> um, we originally had planned to watch both the original Overboard and the remake Overboard and decided against it because... Just to be honest, two movies in one week is a lot. We don't have the bandwidth right now. You are listening to this. We are recording this on October 31st, 2020. You are listening to this. I mean, if you're listening on the day it comes out, I won't presume on November 2nd, 2020. Guys, we're empty. Yeah. Morally, emotionally, financially. Um, Let's all say whatever God or being or whatever Beyonce that you pray to. Oh, shares Twitter. Let's all take a minute. Moment of silence. Dear God, let our national nightmare be over. Unless you're praying for T-Rump, in which case suck a dick on choke on it. I yield my time. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, if you're voting for Trump, you're in the wrong place. You, yeah, you're you also not, because who's listening to this podcast and being like, ooh, feminism in film? Real women vote for Trump. Right. You're in, you're in the wrong place. You you took a wrong turn somewhere. You didn't mean to end up here. Here's what, here's what it is. We knew we would like, we knew it would be problematic, but we knew we would like original Overboard. I did not feel confident in that regard with the new Overboard, although we did get a good review from our dear friend uh, Natalie, so our dear friend Natalie Morgan. So she said it is worth checking out the remake, so maybe one day. But I think, as we have mentioned many times, we, at this juncture, October 2020, are not interested in movies that will not bring us joy. That's exactly right. And we predicted accurately, this was problematic, and I still enjoyed every freaking minute of it. It was honestly less rapey than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, when you I had, had remembered it rapier. When you had said last week that there was a rape, I had re- I had like gotten it in my head that it was like a Rhett Butler Scarlett O'Hara situation. Um which is not I mean, what happened here. So let's I love a movie that turns out less rapey than you think it's going to be. This was right. the opposite of 16 Candles. Right, which turned out way more way more rapey than we had remembered. Yeah. yeah. So the premise here is that Goldie Hawn, first of all, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell are married in real life, or they're not married, but they're partners in real life, and they were by this point. And we'll talk about that. But okay, so the premise here is Goldie Hawn is super wealthy. She's on a yacht. She hires Kurt Russell, who is not super wealthy. He's a carpenter and a single dad. Hires him to make to refurbish her closet he does a beautiful job 
but he uses oak instead of cedar or something like that. And so everyone would... knows a closet is done in cedar. Exactly. Carrie's so... literally sitting in a closet right now. And I don't <laughs> think the wood is cedar. No. Um, she refuses to pay him. They hate each other. She ends up overboard on her yacht. And I, She's like he, drunk and looking for her ring or something. Right. And she and, falls overboard, to which our mother said, huh, that's a little Natalie Woodish. <laughs> our mother, yes. Uh-huh. Right. And then Allison corrected her and said, well, no, if, if it were Natalie Wood, she would have been pushed. Allegedly. Allegedly. Come after me, estate of, oh, no, Robert Wagner still alive. Whatever you're doing is great. Yeah. You definitely didn't kill that woman. Please don't sue us. I'm sure you didn't. But also, like, he did, right? Allegedly. Allison. Allegedly. Um, anyway, so she ends up overboard. She's in a hospital. She has amnesia. She can't remember who she is. Her real husband, played by Edward Herman, better known as Richard Gilmore. Richard Gilmore. Thank you. Um, refuses to claim her and leaves her in a psychiatric ward of a hospital. So then Kurt Russell claims her so that he can, um, essentially like put her to work as his wife and the mother of his four children and like homemaker to essentially like get back at her for not paying him and because there's something with like the teacher who's like these children don't have a mother right so he needs a mother for his children because he's like letting them eat chocolate syrup for dinner as all fathers do fathers are not capable of parenting right without a woman so you know, since it's a rom-com, ultimately they fall in love. M- Melinda, our mother who watched this with us, had somehow gotten it in her head that they both died at the end. Like She was sure threw- this, this Gary Marshall rom-com ended tragically. Yeah, she like thought they threw themselves in the ocean because they couldn't be together. And I was like, what do you think we're watching? <laughs> she was also convinced. She was like, I'm just getting it mixed up with that other movie, but never got to what that other movie was. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So if there's a movie where two people die at the end by throwing themselves overboard, tell us. Right. Put us out of this misery. It's certainly not a rom-com and it's not a movie we're going to do on this podcast, but she was convinced that that was the ending. She was preparing herself the whole time for that ending. Anyway, they don't, spoiler alert, they don't die at the end. They don't die at the end. It's a rom-com. It's a happy movie. It's a very funny movie. Like, I... I mean, Goldie Hawn is one of the funniest people that's ever lived. Yes. And she's fan, like, she's just hilarious. Every facial expression, every gesture, everything. She's just perfect. Anybody who says that women aren't funny hasn't seen a Goldie Hawn movie because. Well, they're also sexist, so they're not going to think she's funny. (laughs) But I mean, she's just delightful. And the kids are funny, particularly the littlest kid is really funny. Yeah, usually I hate children in movies. And there are four in this one. Um, and I don't hate them. I think they're used just enough. Like, we see them just the right amount. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Kurt Russell's a fox. So. Yes. The other thing that I think, despite like the fucking weird ass premise of this movie that makes it work is that these two people seem like they constantly want to rip each other's clothes off. Like, and to this day, right. I mean, but like particularly in this movie, like from the moment they see each other, 
and obviously they're good actors, but they're also two people who have been together for ever and had been together for a handful of years at this at the point that this movie was made and they are channeling all of that into this performance and so you know you can tell that they're attracted to each other from the beginning you can tell that there's chemistry from the beginning there's sexual tension and it all works really well and charms you into sort of forgetting the fact that he's essentially kidnapped her yeah the plot of this movie is is that he's kidnapped and is tricking her into thinking she's his wife he's lying to her he's gaslighting her it's very dark but they're both so charming who gives a shit (laughs) right there is the movie open and i don't like someone's in a red hat and all of us were just like no you can't do that anymore (laughs) red hats are over of any sort. Yeah. yeah. In 1987, that hat was probably completely innocuous, but nope. Not nowadays. Hat. I don't even like the hat. hats. I don't even like the hats that say like "Major Look, Black Lives Matter." Like I like the, I like the message of those hats, but I don't like a red. Like just say "Black Lives Matter" on any other color hat. Yeah. No more red hats. Yeah, it's we don't too need much. to see it's them. Like we have an immediate reaction. Say Black Lives Matter on like a lovely like evergreen or maybe like a white hat with black writing. Honestly, I think you could do that in any color except red. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. Red, red hats. Dad no has a White Sox hat that's bright red and it just he can never wear it anymore. Yeah. Because, also because he's an older white man. So like immediately like you just see dad in a white hat and you're like, well. Nope. Trumper. And he doesn't want to be mistaken as that. This movie is also, it was made in 1987, and you can tell right away. She has a different giant phone for every outfit. She also, like when she's rich Goldie Hawn, her costumes are fantastic. They are completely over the top. They are completely 1980s. Like, I want to rewatch it just to kind of, like, take in the ridiculous fashion. Good giant hats. A lot of very mm-hmm. slutty um, bathing suits that I like. Yeah. Uh, later, when he's tricking her into thinking she's his wife, he tells her, I forget why, but he tells her that she uh, lost a bunch of weight. She used to be shorter and fatter. And then somehow he tells her she was promiscuous. And she was like, ugh, short, fat, and a slut. That was like only one of those things are true and all of those things are cool. So like she's definitely a little <laughs> slutty, but also like short, fat, slutty. Sounds like a fun life, lady. He also like he proves to the to the hospital that she's his wife because he when she was like in a swimsuit, he saw a birthmark on her butt. And so that's how he proves to the hospital and to her that she's his wife. And the doctors are like, like, fair enough, take her. Right. Which I feel like is kind of like a classic, like, rom-com thing. Like, it happens in While You Were Sleeping and in some other kind of comedies where it's like, you know, this random piece of information about somebody. And so then you can perpetuate your big lie or big misunderstanding. Um, This does have a similar premise to While You Were Sleeping, except no one's kidnapped in While You Were Sleeping. It's, yes. I was thinking that when we were watching it. It has... It does have a similar premise to while you were sleeping. And right. 
but somehow while you were sleeping is less creepy. I think there's two things. First of all, there's a role reversal in while you were sleeping. And not that I'm saying that women should lie to or kidnap men, but I think just because we don't have like the historical context of like a power dynamic between men and women. Right. And like, don't I will lie and kidnap whoever I want. Like classically the male is the predator. And that's not to say that women can't be predators, but I think in this, it just is playing on a classic power dynamic and it doesn't switch it. And so it feels creepy in a way. Well, um, also, and while you were sleeping, she doesn't actually, like, take him to her home and make him, like, wait on her hand and foot and care for her children in the way that he does in this movie. Yeah, and while, while you were sleeping buys it in a really lovely way because you believe – while you were sleeping, it's just a story about a lonely woman. And you believe in and identify with her loneliness. And it's, like, sort of a mistake that it happened. Right. She says, like – she like makes a comment and then like the comment gets away from her where in this he makes like an active like malicious plan (laughs) to trick this woman with amnesia yeah and like the movie has told us and shown us that she's a total bitch and so like somehow that's supposed to make it okay that he's playing like this quote-unquote prank on her um but it's still like as I was as we were watching, I was like, "This is this is not great." Yeah, they both sort of suck. Like, <laughs> like they're both kind of shitty people. And at one point, like him and their four boys are like screaming at her for dinner, and she doesn't know how to cook because she's rich and rich women don't know how to cook. And I was like, "This is like five men yelling at me for dinner is a nightmare scenario." Right. I'd be like, "Even um, if you are my children, I'm leaving. This is." unruly and truly the real victims here are your children because like the children then obviously fall in love with her and she falls in love with the kids at one point one of them's like i like structure right like she's making me do my homework and then like the littlest is like you're not gonna leave right because they're all in on it they know she's not really their mother they're old enough to know that um and so like when you kind of take yourself out of the fact that it's a movie you're like oh this is a terrible position to put your children in like you ask them to lie and help you abuse this woman and then they fall in love with her and she's gonna end up leaving because you've lied and abused her because you lied to her (laughs) right not a great parenting move um no kurt russell is a bad parent in this movie right but she makes him a better parent there's a real like with a good woman you'll become a better man theme here. Um, True words. So like when you start to pick apart the layers of this movie, there's lots of issues. But I still really enjoyed it. Yeah. You don't don't overanalyze this movie cuz it gets very mm-hmm. dark. I was going to say, at one point, they, uh, she's, like, been called into the school because the kids are misbehaving. And then it turns out that, like, one of them doesn't know how to read. First of all, all four of these children, only two of which are twins, are in the same class. And that's never explained. And I like it. I like a movie that's just, like, I don't care about logic. They're all in the same class. 
But their teacher, and it's not like a one-room schoolhouse situation. It's like they're just all in one grade. Um, and the te- like, one of them doesn't know how to read, and like, it's clear that the teacher isn't really like helping these motherless children with an with a shitty father in any sort of way. And Goldie Hawn like comes into the rescue and is like, "You're a bad teacher," and then like starts disciplining them and teaching them and teaching the littlest one how to read, like using comic books. And that's when Kurt Russell starts to actually falls in love, fall in love with her because of how she good is, how good she is with his children. Um, and that I think buys her horrible character back a little bit because she mm-hmm. is a good mother. And like, yes, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn have this like insane sexual attention, but like the love story, the most believable love story in this movie is her and the children. Mm-hmm. And it's sweet and I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, and the love story between them is sweet. Like, when they start to, like, when their relationship takes a corner and she begins to enjoy her life with him and he begins to enjoy having her around, like, they have a very sweet love story. If you ignore the fact that it's built <laughs> on the fact that he's kidnapped and lied to her. You can ignore a, it. Just yeah. breeze past it. <laughs> Right. It's lovely. And again, I think so much of it is because like so much of the ability to get past it is because these are two incredibly appealing, talented actors who have insane chemistry because they're married in real life or not married, but they're partners in real life. And so it ends up working. This is one of those movies that for a period of time when I was a young teen was on TBS like every other Saturday. So I have seen this like pieces of this movie. I've never actually, I don't think I've ever actually seen the beginning, like the literal overboard part. I hadn't. But I've, but I've seen pieces of this movie a thousand times and, and I hadn't seen it in a while, but I think the reason I would watch it like anytime it came on TV is because it's funny and it's charming. Uh, the only, I have never seen the beginning of this movie. The only t- I missed all of those TBS watches. The only time I've ever seen it is uh, in a dry bar, which is famous for just playing really great movies. Will you get your hair blown out? Um, God, I miss it so much. Uh, and I watched it was like from the point of like she was already living with them. And I remember having to like Google what the premise was, because if you comment in the middle, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> No. And then in, sitting in the dry bar, drinking my tea, eating my cookie, getting the like loose wave look, I was like, this movie is great. And I think I sat in my chair a little longer to finish it. It's a great Saturday afternoon and or dry bar movie. Yes. It also like it because the premise is so wildly insane. I mean, truly, like if this happened in real life, it would be a crime. <laughs> but in this movie, we're like, oh, what a great love story. I mean, it goes back to what we've talked to you about over and over again. Rom-coms are fantasies. This is a wildly insane premise that would never happen in real life. And I think because of that, it offers like some real escapism, which is what, you know, as we were talking about at the beginning, like that's what we need right now. And so it, it was a good, fun watch for the week before the most important election of our lifetime. Well, and I don't, and this movie is not trying to sell us this as some sort of like grounded premise. Like, 
Right. I, Gary Marshall doesn't make movies where you're trying to buy a premise as real. He make like this pretty woman princess diaries. These are all very like fantastical, ridiculous. He like takes he normal people and puts them in insane situations. You take right. like I think in this movie Kurt Russell is the more normal person, but like but he, you're taking a very rich woman and putting her in like a shitty poverty house and having her fall in love because money doesn't matter, love does. And pretty woman, you take a similar situation. You take you reverse the situation. You take a um, sex worker who does not make a lot of money and you put her in a rich fantasy and in princess diaries you take a normal high school girl and you make her a princess and none of these things i guess maybe pretty woman is probably the one that would most likely happen in real life but we're not trying to watch these movies and like see some sort of grounded serious movie we're watching wish fulfillment and fun and fantasy and you're and like you said escapism and that's what i need right now yeah and that's what gary marshall does best i mean Gary Marshall is the master of the, you know, classic escapism fantasy rom-com. He is not making, you know, the the obvious child kind of rom-com where it's very grounded in reality and grounded in dialogue. That is not what he's doing. And and he knows that. I mean, I... I assume. And he really kind of leans into it, particularly more recently, you know, with the Valentine's Day and the New Year's Eve and the Mother's Day. Like those are just ridiculous rom-coms. And he knows what he's good at and he knows what works and what people buy and what people want when they go to the movies. And it's why he's probably one of the most successful rom-com directors there is. And this does that very well. Yeah, he has a he has a this movie buys he has a really good way of grounding like ridiculous premises. Yeah. Because I think you're right. I think with different actors or written worse, the writer this movie was written by Leslie Dixon, but it, I think a worse version of this movie it's harder to buy back the literal crimes that Kurt Russell commits. But it's so well written, well acted, and well directed that you're just that it's just and so funny that I don't know if you're watching this movie and and you I don't know I just I can't imagine watching this movie and it, you don't get hung up on the sort of reality that this would be like a very problem that it's very you don't get hung up on the problems it didn't trip me up right. Well, and you said that Leslie Dixon was the writer. She later became like sort of a script developer and script doctor as opposed to writing like her own screenplays. And she is credited with developing the scripts for Mrs. Doubtfire, Hairspray, Thomas Crown Affair, all movies that are, you know, over the top and fantastical and sort of take real people and put them in these kind of ridiculous outside of reality situations and all movies that are beloved. So Didn't she write Freaky clear- Friday? Did I look that up for it? Oh, I don't know. That wasn't one of the ones I saw on her, but it's certainly possible. I mean, again, like that would fit right sort of in that that category of normal people in insane situations. Um, the classic common situation she- of a mother and a daughter switching bodies. Obviously. 
Happens to all of us. I think she obviously does that very well. She's built a whole career on it. Mm, Yes, she wrote Freaky Friday. She also wrote Hairspray. Yeah, I think, like, my only point is, like, she's clearly very good at this kind of brand of movie. And when you marry that with Gary Marshall's directing and the acting by Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, you get a fun movie. Yeah. Yeah. I w- yeah. It's what it's what I needed. Yeah. Bizarre premise, criminally rom-coms are what we need right now. This movie made me want to watch more Kurt Russell movies. I don't feel like I like have really kind of taken in Kurt Russell's filmography well, you are in the in way that I need to. You're in luck because there is a um, Christmas movie where he plays Santa. And spoiler alert, Goldie Hawn does appear at the end as Mrs. Claus. And they made a, two, a number two version, like a whatever it's called, sequel. What I, I'm, I'm dying. They made a sequel and it's coming out soon. And this is not an ad, but if Netflix wants to pay us, um, I <laughs> would happily hawk this movie because the first one's very bad. And I'm going to watch it 17 times this holiday season, particularly if Tuesday goes south, in which case all I'm going to do is sit in a dark basement and watch Netflix Christmas rom-coms um, forever. Yeah, fair. I was thinking more of like 1980s like action star Kurt Russell. Um, but I could throw in some Netflix Christmas romps as well. I feel like at some point someone ends up in jail and then they like sing him out of jail. I don't really remember. I just remember uh, it was a good way to spend. Sing him out of jail. Great. Great, 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 great. It's that's the that's the Kurt Russell I want is like Santa. I did think, and I think I'm right in this assessment, that all of these boys grow up to be men's rights activists because of the situation. And that's tough to think about. Yeah, I totally. disagree. Totally because disagree. they basically learned that if you yell at a woman, she'll cook you dinner. Um, then they fall in love with her and it's sweet. But I just think there's probably some... Uh, internalized misogyny and some toxic masculinity they learned that maybe maybe not all of them half of them grew up to be men's rights activists at least um and that's why i'm glad the movie ends when they're still sweet innocent children (laughs) sweet innocent neglected children i'm gonna choose to believe that she was a good influence on their life and as women do she made him a better man and it all turned out great marry a man who's already a better man don't marry someone and then have to like build them into a good man just don't do it he (laughs) like when he's like first perpetuating this prank on her he says something like i go out every night after dinner and then she says like when will you be home and he says whenever i feel like it it depends how drunk i get and he's obviously fucking with her but at the same time i'm like oh this man is a true nightmare and we're supposed to believe that we want her to end up with him. But he's also lying. What he's really doing is working a second job. But he doesn't want... I don't know why he wants his wife to think but that instead that of like working a later. second job, he's... No, I think I think it's all the... I think... Ev- no, at, immediately after that scene, we see him at a bar or okay. at the bowling alley with his friend. Oh, yeah. They love to hang at the bowling alley. And then he does start working a second job. That is true. 
he still tells her he's going out every night because as a man, you want your wife to think you're like a hard partier and not that you're just like working for your family. <laughs> like, I don't understand why the lie. But also he and his friend, who's the janitor from Friends, the show, um, are what they're really working to do is open a uh, mini golf course. And that is a detail that I'm obsessed with. And all the kids and they help her draw all the mini golf things. It's just I want to find a man who's opening a mini golf course. Right. I mean, not in this economy, but it's <laughs> no, an outdoor no. activity. I bet you could do it social distance uh-huh. safe. Yeah, they build this like very like hodgepodge mini golf course. There's this very weird scene where they're like trying to court these investors. Um, But again, like she is, you know. She is the the rock. She becomes the rock of the family. Um, I the supporting cast is also. I mean, much of this movie revolves around Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell and the four children. But then, like her mother is played by Catherine Hellman, who's Mona from Who's the Boss. Her husband, her real husband, is the played by boss. Edward Herman, who's Richard Gilmore. Um, like you said, his best friend is. Um, a second city actor who then was on like Friends and other sitcoms. So there's a great kind of like solid comedy supporting cast behind them, which again, I think helps sort of fill this movie out and um, make it very funny and rompy. Oh, there was one black person in this movie where he, he played, um, her husband's bodyguard at the end when he comes to get her he has zero lines says no words i missed him <laughs> just gets out of the limo and looks intimidating oh sure 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 sure. yes he's uh richard gilmore's uh, bodyguard right i did also want to know that as problematic as i think the uh all the Gil- all four of the gilmores really but especially richard and emily i do not believe richard would ever leave emily in a mental hospital no and then like cavort with Younger models while she was stuck in the psychiatric hospital. No, Richard would never. Even when they were apart, he didn't. He didn't date. He just stayed in the pool house. Yeah. R.I.P. Richard Gilmore. And so, I mean, this movie, like many of the movies from this era that we have watched, has some issues, but still a great time. If you're looking for a way to uh, manage your election day anxiety, this is a good choice. Listen to our podcast, then watch this movie. If you haven't voted already, fucking do it or you're a disgrace. But don't mail it in. Yeah, here's what you're going to do. If you haven't ma- if you haven't voted already, wake up on election day. Go to your polling place, drop off, either vote or drop off your absentee ballot. Do not mail it in. Then go home. Listen to this podcast, which you clearly already did because now we're at the end of it. Then watch this movie. Then watch 17 other movies. Then get blackout drunk. And then like a week and a half later, we'll know what the results of the election are. That's at least my plan, except I've already watched this movie, so I'm going to pick a different one. But feels like a solid election day plan. Yeah. Um... You know, or, you know, make some phone calls, text some friends, get your friends to vote. I texted a friend this morning to make sure that she and her partner who live in Minnesota knew they couldn't bail it, 
knew they couldn't mail it in anymore. She said he is voting in person on election day and she did mail her ballot in, but a week and a half ago. So before, so it will still get there on time. Um, so yeah, check in with your friends and make sure that they have their voting plan. If you have friends or family that are voting poorly, don't check in with them. Just cut them out of your life. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, where can people find us, Allison? You can find us, I mean, on election day, crying drunk in a dark basement. But on the internet, you can find this podcast on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod and on Twitter at hold underscore up underscore podcast. Um, it's what fun. are we, we watching post, next week? We post little videos where you can see, like, li- hear little things we've talked about and want, look at a little picture. You know, it's fun. We we have fun on the internet. Next week, um, if we haven't uh, had to flee the country. Oh, my God. What if we have to flee the country right before our 50th episode? Not that that will be, like, the worst thing that comes out of the election if Biden doesn't win, but, like... It would suck to have to flee the country before we hit 50 episodes. And for that reason and that reason alone, you should vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Next week, should we still be um, citizens, we are going to watch Friends with Kids. Ooh, I like this one. I do too. Um, Love me a little Adam Scott. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think I'll still like it. There may be some issues. I can't really remember. I've only seen it once, so I can't remember it well enough to remember. It's the entire cast of Bridesmaids in, like, a much more grounded comedy. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. This will be a good one. I mean, I can stare at Chris O'Dowd and John Hamm and Adam Scott for a few hours, especially if everything's gone bad. Yeah. All right. Well... Join us in two weeks for Friends with Kids. Come find us on the internet. Tell us what you think of Overboard. Um, Convince we'll us to either watch or not watch the 2018 version. Yes, 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 yes. Um, bye. Bye. Vote. Bye. <laughs>